Welcome to the Logistics of Logistics, a podcast dedicated to exploring how things get places and the people who get them there. We'll talk with logistics and supply chain leaders about innovation, industry trends, and the future of the logistics business. Now, here's your host, Joe Lynch. Hello, friends. Welcome to the Logistics of Logistics podcast. My name is Joe Lynch. Thank you so much for joining us today. Today's topic is understanding WMS in the cloud with my friend Dan Gilmore. How's it going, Dan? Great, Joe. Glad to be here again and looking forward to the conversation. Me too. So, guys, if you're looking, going, oh, God, cloud, WMS, what are you talking about? I'm going to force Dan to drag us into some mud. Uh, He's going to take us in some details, but I'm going to ask for some definitions because I feel like there's a big chunk of us, patting myself on the head here, who only have a vague understanding of how the cloud works <laughs> and also have a very rudimentary idea of how WMS works. So Dan knows all about that stuff. So Dan, please introduce yourself and your company where you're calling from today. Sure, Joe. This is Dan Gilmore again. I'm Chief Marketing Officer at a company called Softion, headquartered in Reston, Virginia. I happen to be in the Dayton, Cincinnati, Ohio area. But uh, So we've been around since 1999. That is Softion and really focus on three major uh, software categories, warehouse management systems, WMS. A newer thing related to WMS, but still distinct from it, called Warehouse Execution Systems, or WES. And then uh, what's called Distributed Order Management, or DOM, uh, which has to do with the optimal order sourcing. Greatly simplifying, has to do with optimal order sourcing across a network, become very prominent in, in an e-commerce world. So I've been in this business for a long time. I've done a lot of things in uh, WMS. I was uh, previously head of marketing at uh, Red Prairie that uh, became uh, JDA and then now Blue Yonder. But I, uh, prior to that, uh, was a consultant for a while and implemented WMS a couple different places. And uh, then I... Uh, Early 2000, started a publication called uh, Supply Chain Digest. I still write a uh, weekly column for Supply Chain Digest, uh, which had kind of a bit of an impact in the industry, actually, when I first came out with it. So uh, got a pretty broad background uh, in this and uh, been really following this uh, cloud uh, development uh, very closely over the last few years. I I just had somebody on from Journal of Commerce yesterday, and um, Peter Tershwell, you probably know him. I know of him, yes. And I told him the same thing I'll tell you. When you're a layman, you do this every single day. Or when you're a professional, you do it every day. But when you have to sit down and write about it, it gives you a deeper understanding of the of everything. I wrote a, hundreds of articles. And I just felt like writing after a while became uh, kind of like homework. It forced me to get deeper and deeper into certain topics and stop being uh, kind of skimming across the surface of them. And I do like I do like Supply Chain Digest. When I was blogging, I would always reference those articles. <laughs> <laughs> and I always link. Thank you very much. Not all bloggers do that. So anyway, let's talk a little bit about understanding WMS in the cloud. First off, Dan, before we get any further, what is WMS? I know most people would know that, but what does it do? And then also, what is the cloud? Okay. So we're starting a very basic uh, <laughs> Very <here>. basic. <laughs> and uh, I will just note, uh, we uh, recently wrote a white paper on this very topic, kind of spurred this uh, this interview, and we'll talk about maybe how to get that to the end of the broadcast. But we're also managing greatly simplifying, as the name uh, suggests. It's a software that's uh, been around since 1975, best anyone can tell that manages the uh, you know the inventory, the people, and the work of a warehouse, or more commonly called today a, a distribution center. And it does all the basics from receiving to put away to 
order planning and picking and replenishment and packing and shipping and loading and, and kind of the what a what a warehouse or distribution center does. And but it, it provides that real time visibility to inventory and controls it by uh, all kinds of attributes like uh, uh, lot or batch number or expiration date or serial number or other things you can um, can imagine. So been around a long time. And, uh, you know, one of the you know key kind of things that separates a warehouse management system from an inventory management system, and at least in my parlance, is uh you know, it's the use of mobile wireless terminals to uh, communicate with workers and uh, send them work. And, and it's guided by system-directed tasking where the, the the WMS is deciding what the next best thing a given worker should do next and uh, considers things like uh, priority and uh, permission and proximity, the, the three Ps. Dan, if I could add one thing to that, and this is why I think there's some context here, is when we talk about WMS, there's a lot of people who say, well, yeah, they've been around. You just said 1975. But I feel like it's gotten all of a sudden a lot more attention because of e-commerce and the e-commerce fulfillment that all of a sudden became same day, next day. And it felt like the whole industry had to have a massive upgrade in the last, you tell me, but it felt like the last 10 years. Yeah, there's several dimensions to that. There's no question that e-commerce, e-fulfillment, uh, many companies just simply didn't have the capabilities to do each is picking uh in a B2B world, even in the retail world where the distribution centers were just replenishing stores, not shipping direct to customers. So that's a big change. Because of the impact of that, it's led many people to automate in many different ways, whether that's big automation, if you will, or smaller systems like put walls or pick to light or smart carts or mobile robots. And uh, that often demands new software to support those that automation as well. So, and then and, distribution is just becoming more important as Amazon has kind of, even outside of retail, Amazon just keeps setting the bar higher where, you know, I can order something on Saturday afternoon at four o'clock and somehow it shows up at my door by noon on Sunday. How is that even possible? And so, you know, even though Amazon is a retailer, uh, but really the, 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 the the pace that they set affects other industries, certainly wholesale distribution and, and even manufacturing deliveries and things like that. So there's all kinds of different – WMS keeps reinventing itself. I have another broadcast, maybe I've got 10 different, uh, you know, kind of key drivers of new WMS systems, but e-commerce and e-fulfillment is certainly one of them. Yep. And I would also say this. It felt like for a long time I would run across warehouses, and I know I've been to warehouses that didn't even have a WMS. And that seems inconceivable to me. It's like not having a TMS. How do you even stay in business? But also, I think you said this last time we talked, you couldn't justify automation investment. And now all of a sudden, companies are investing in automation. Yeah, well, you know, there's a variety of factors for that is, uh, you know, first off, it's as much today uh, a labor issue as it is a uh, cost issue. And what I mean by that, and the analysts at Gartner have talked about this as well, which is, uh, you know, people are just having a hard time finding workers in some of the big metro markets anywhere, really, but they're very difficult to find and keep uh, enough workers. And so automation is being pursued, not so much from a cost perspective, but that's part of it, obviously. But but really, it's the lack of labor and manpower that's, you know, really, uh, really driving this. And, you know, we run into all the time. I mean, some, you got to have some kind of system to get product out the door. But often those systems are, you know, what we wouldn't really call a WMS. They're paper-based. They don't use wireless communications. They uh, still have a lot of paper running around the operation or whatever. So there's various degrees of warehouse management, but clearly the trend is for more advanced systems uh, with or without automation, but certainly distribution continues to become more and more complex and more dynamic in terms of requirements and challenges. And so, uh, you know, companies are looking for a platform for that kind of change. It simply isn't possible with manually, manual-based systems. 
Right. And I would also say this, if I had a young person, let's just say one of my kids said, yeah, I would like to go work in a warehouse. I would say, go work in a warehouse where you get to use cool technology, where you get to be part of the supply chain, as opposed to just being a strong back, because that's limited. You know, if all you're doing is taking boxes off of shelves and walking five miles or 10 miles a day, you're not, you're not part of the supply chain at that point. Yeah, there's no question about that. And, and you know, things like voice technology is an example. I think there's been some studies that, you know, that have even shown that, you know, if, you, if somebody brought in as a, considering a position in a distribution center and they see people talking into the computer, you know, talking to the mobile thing and getting answers back or whatever versus, you know, looking at a screen, that voice-based system seems cooler and more attractive. There, there's, there's no doubt about that. And so that, you know, certainly uh, you, you start to become in these heavily automated systems, the uh, laborers, you know, can be more of a technician, if you will, than a, than a strong back and, you know, as you said there a second ago. So a lot, lot, lot going on. And we need that again, just because of the dire labor situation so many companies and markets are at. It's not going to get better as uh, baby boomers like myself retire. Not that I'm retiring anytime soon. You guys are stuck with me for a while. But I think also in automotive, I worked in that field for many years. When I first got there, you would see operators doing all sorts of operations that were difficult, blind operations, heavy lifting, too much walking. We eliminated all of that with technology. And you mentioned the word technician. Almost everybody working in a tier one or a OEM assembly plant is a technician now. And they're not used to go to that. You used to go to that job. You got dirty, you got tired, you got sweaty. And a lot of times you got hurt. Can't afford that anymore. And I think the same thing's happening to warehouses. Yeah, I think there's no question. And, and uh, you know, cl- cloud is one of the dynamics there. And you asked, you asked exactly. me to exactly. Yeah, yeah, you asked me to, uh, to talk about the kind of what is WMS. We did that. We didn't get to what is cloud, and I'll just tackle that real quick, quickly. You know, and, and I don't know that there's a, some agreed upon formal definition by anybody, but it, you know, you can think of cloud as kind of a lineage of a variety of terms that have been used since really the early 2000s, if not maybe a little bit after that. But things like a hosted solution or on-demand software or software software as a service SaaS. But the market is kind of, you know, settled on cloud for a variety of different reasons. And what does it mean? It, it, in, in great summary, it means uh, the application is not, you know, housed and often not managed within the four walls of, you know, a company or the, an enterprise. It's, uh, it's, it's, in the, it's, it's in the ether somewhere uh, and accessed via a Internet connection. And, um, you know, that's really where software is going as a whole and uh, where WMS is certainly going after a slow start. So you mentioned before we hit record, I asked you, Softian's done really well. We'll get to that in just a second. And I asked you, are the people you're working with coming from cloud environments? Or are they coming from us? I'll call the old school, the server environment. You said almost always it's coming from the old servers. Yeah, yeah. Cl- cloud is so new. It, it's older in some application areas. I mean, you mentioned, you know, you know, TMS, for example, that got an earlier start in cloud than WMS did for a variety of reasons, which I'll address in a second. But because most, you know, cloud implementations have only happened in WMS in the relatively recent years, it's very rare to find somebody that, you know, looking for a new WMS that's coming from a cloud-based environment. Uh, it's hardly, you know, kind of put through its paces yet. That's not completely true. Every now and again, we do see that if something just isn't powerful enough, what they did, uh, what they got. But uh, in general, almost everybody has in place today the traditional on-premise application. And I think it's important to note that because um, 
you know, WMS was late to the cloud for a variety of reasons. Number one, a lot of the larger players, a few large, very large players, were slow themselves to adopt to the cloud for a variety of business model reasons primarily. And then you had this, you know, generation of, of kind of startup cloud-based WMSs that, that, that went to that model from the very get-go, but they were new. And so they just didn't have that much, you know, functionality. Right. They didn't move the market. They didn't, they didn't move the market. And, and you know, that is a, some scenario. We, we do sometimes see uh, uh, new opportunities are coming because somebody bought one of the early cloud systems. And they just say, we've just outgrown it and, and looking for that. And Softian has been cloud really almost since our inception. Uh, so got a lot of expertise and, and history with it. But, uh, but the most important thing that really get across is there was and continues to be some concern about WMS in the cloud because of the real-time nature of, of the processes. So you need millisecond-type response times for things like RF communications and voice technology that we talked about a second ago and materials handling, especially interfaces or whatever. And companies unnecessarily but understandably are worried about the performance in the cloud like that. And that that was certainly one of the factors that uh, that held cloud WMS back from getting widespread adoption like we're seeing today. Right. If I could just throw this in there, and I asked you this the other day when we were talking. So used to get my laptop and there'd be my Microsoft Office disks and I would put those in and that's how I used, I would load it to my computer. And that was, I'll call it the old way. Now, I still use Microsoft Office, but I believe it's hosted in the cloud. And every once in a while, there is a momentary, like a half a second lapse. And I shouldn't say lapse, just delay. And I used to say, what is that? Now I realize that's been in the cloud. But the advantage is, so, so Legion, my Microsoft updates all the time. Every night it updates. So if there's a new virus, it updates. I don't have to worry about getting a new disk or, you know, updating it myself, it happens automatically now. Yeah, there's there's a lot of benefits from moving to the cloud. I mean, especially, I mean, WMS is certainly any WMS, but certainly at the mid to upper end of the kind of complexity scale. I mean, these are major implementations and they take many months and are relatively expensive, you know, in, you know, endeavors. But uh, with cloud, uh, you know, because everything, you know, the, the vendor themselves is setting up the environment and they're just re- replicating if you will, in many respects, from an infrastructure perspective, things they've already done, and so that just leads to faster and lower cost implementations, which you know, you know, benefits everybody. Those kind of real time, you know, upgrades or whatever. Not everyone's in, into that, but certainly uh, it, it, it is, you know, possible. But one you of the need other that, don't you? I mean, yeah. Well, you know, with when, when you know, we could, that's maybe a topic for another show. But you know, you don't want something that's going to maybe change, force you to change a process you weren't ready to change, or you know, certain stuff starts showing up on a screen that nobody's seen before in a warehouse environment. I'm not sure that's what you want, but that's that's kind of a topic for another day. But one of the things I think we can agree on is that uh, in many cases it takes too long too long with WMSs to reach what I call time to value. I didn't invent that term; it's a common one, but. I like to use it. it means how fast after you go live with the WMS software, do you get back to the levels of productivity that you had prior to implementing WMS? And then how do you build on that and start adding value in cloud? Because it takes all the technology aspects of it and it kind of moves it away off the plate. You know, it allows you to just focus on that operational improvement and 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 those new practices or whatever, and and not have to worry about the IT side of things. So another big advantage there. Yeah, so let me uh, let me drag you down into my slow world here, Dan. So let's just say the old way. Let's just say I've got I, I've got a server, 
and I've got all my software on there and I got a separate room for it. I got IT guys who manage that. And now I want to upgrade my system. And I might, then when I say software, I might have to go get another server or a brand new one, right? Or I might have to upgrade it, right? Certainly that's one of the risks, yes. And with, with cloud, where I assume you're heading is with cloud, you know, it's much more scalable in terms of you can just, you know, I mean, whether you're using AWS or Microsoft Azure or whatever your hosting environment is, we can support several. We're agnostic, really. You know, you 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 can you can add additional capacity very easily, and even do it in the sense of you know in, in peak season, you know, for temporarily increase the capacity and then scale it back down after peak is over or whatever. So, you know, there's a lot of benefits there, and and you know just you know what you said there even prior to that. You know, with IT resources so scarce and spread thin these days, I mean, right. you know, I mean the, the the fact that you don't, you know, you let the cloud WMS vendor set up the environment. You don't have to worry about buying servers and databases and app servers and all the provisioning and things that have to be done to set up a, you know, an environment. You know, the vendor does that for you. So the project moves from, let's just say roughly, you know, it depends on the project, but roughly a 50-50 split between operations issues and technology issues, IT issues, you know, now it's like 90% operational and 10% IT. And right. so that lets the project focus on what's really important, which is, you know, the new processes that are going to be enabled by the WMS and the savings and the customer service gains and all the things that come with that. Now that can be the focus of the project, not getting the technology side of it up and running effectively. Right. And and I can tell you this, I'm sure you've experienced this too. The IT guy in some companies becomes the most important person. And the reason it is because he cobbled together this wonderful system and he's the only one who understands that if he quits, you can't keep it running. And I hate that. <laughs> uh, we had an example of that of a company we we're working with where they are going to replace it. And it was, this is very common. We see this quite a bit. They Somebody bought a package solution you know, back 20 years ago or whatever, today it doesn't resemble the package that was bought, but there was a package foundation, but they just took it over and now they do all the maintenance and the... It's a Rube Goldberg. <laughs> there's no question. Well, this one company at first, I mean, I don't agree with the strategy, but they were reluctant to tell the the guy that you were just talking about there that kept this thing up and running that they were looking at moving to a true commercial package. Oh yeah. Because he knew he'd be less important. They were worried he was going to leave early. You know, rather well, than rather, diva. rather than wait until you know the new system got on, came you know got on board, he might. What if he quit now? And there now there's nobody to do that. So uh, they they did wind up telling him because well, it turned out he couldn't hide it very well. But uh, yeah, so you know, <laughs> yeah. that that, that uh, commonplace uh, scenario there. Sometimes it's more than one person. Sometimes it's uh, two, three, four people maintaining that thing. And you know, one of the things about that is you know we had another prospect that uh, we're working with just the other day, large company, large company. But that basically said, we don't want to be in the WMS IT infrastructure business. We don't want to have to maintain a network across all these facilities and interacting with the central, you know, database and all of that stuff. We, you know, we want that out of our enterprise. We don't want it in our enterprise. We want it out of our enterprise. It's not what you're best at. That's the crazy thing about it. And what ends up happening is those guys become critically important. And if they decide to be a diva, they can be a diva. If they decide they need a big raise, they get the big raise because you can't w work without them. And when I move to the cloud, you, we started to tick on some of the advantages, lower cost implementation, because I don't have to buy a server. I don't have to, I'm paying monthly for this. So I don't even have the big investment in the software. And then I get the more rapid time to value because I don't have all the IT issues to set up. You guys do that on a regular basis. 
lower upfront costs. So, so talk about this. I have a note here, lower cost versus license. What does that mean? Well, the traditional way you bought software, you know, was where you paid a license fee, which could be rather substantial. And you did that, you know, at the start of the project. So, you know, once you, that contract is signed, depending on the, you know, there may be milestone payments or different ways that this can happen. Basically, you're going to pay, you know, for the full cost of, of that software, which can be a uh, not insubstantial amount of money, substantial for everybody, just depending on your size and the, and the ratio there. Uh, and then you're going to pay some kind of annual maintenance fee, which can be as much as 22, 24 you know, percent. With cloud, as you just indicated a second ago, you don't have that upfront license payment. In our case, you don't start paying the subscription fee until the go live, which may be four or five months uh, down the road there. Uh, but now you're paying that monthly, you know, subscription fee. Typically it's per user per month. There can be per quarter, different ways of doing that there, but it be- becomes more of an operating expense then it does an upfront investment. And some companies treat it that way. They don't treat it as a capital investment because it isn't. It's an ongoing expense. It's not, it's not, it's not an upfront capex. This is how software is becoming though, because the what we learned, and again, not everybody listening is old enough to remember this, but what we learned is it's no fun getting disks in the mail once a quarter where you have to upgrade. Somebody sometimes would stay late at night or you do it over the weekend. And then on Monday morning, when everyone comes in, they realize their stuff doesn't work anymore. It's a horrible way to do business. Yeah. This is where the software is headed. It's already, already here, really. It's already there. I mean, I mean, you know, we moved, uh, kind of redo this white paper every year or so. And, you know, a couple of years ago, I was saying 66% of our new implementations are cloud. And then I was 75 and then it was 90 now in 20. 20- 22 has been 100% of our new implementations are cloud-based. So this is where everyone's going. There still are some modest concerns out there on the response times. We'll talk about that maybe in just a minute, but uh, but not 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 justified as it turns out in practice. But, and it's not just, you know, I mean, part of what's happening with WMS, I, I said it was slow to the game, but, you know, the entire software industry is in this, whether it's, you know, CRM type applications or ERP or whatever. This is where everyone is going and WMS is being part of that train but it has some of its own unique uh, characteristics in terms of the response times and things that, that don't necessarily impact things the same way they do in other areas of software. Right. And I asked you this before we hit record. If I want to use artificial intelligence or machine learning to automate a whole bunch of functions, sometimes those take up, a, they require a lot of horsepower, a lot of computing power. I don't want to have to go upgrade my server for every new function that that my software offers. Yeah, sure. Or or you make an acquisition or it turns out your forecast. Uh, I did some work many years ago with a candle company that uh, was growing like crazy and they were, you know, the sales was reluctant to sign up for the kind of growth that they were seeing, you know, going forward because they didn't want to be on the hook for it. Well, it turned out they did keep growing as fast, that fast. And so they had to replace their server a couple, three times because the volume, you know, growth just exceeded the, the plan. That's a good problem to have, I guess. But uh, uh, nevertheless, like you say, the scalability from a uh, performance perspective with the cloud-based solution in WMS is just uh, a lot different than it is if you have a physical server. Dan, when you said we wanted to talk about this topic, I went and Googled advantages of the cloud. And I think I found something. It was by Microsoft. It had 15 things. Now you listed a few for me. So you talked about lower cost implementation, more faster time to value, lower cost upfront because you're not buying all the software, you're buying it monthly. Lower IT costs, not only to implement, but also over time. I don't have that, uh, all the IT staff on board necessarily. And then you have portability. What is portability? Well, just, you know, there's still, you know, a lot of, you know, network dynamics. And so, 
it's just, uh, you know, you, you might merge facilities, you might, you know, outgrow one facility and move to another one. Obviously, you may open up new types of facilities or whatever. And it's just, you know, rather than having to set up that environment, so some cases you can do it on one server within the enterprise. But if you need to move, if you will, that that capability from one building to another, which is very commonplace in, uh, in, in WMS, the fact that you can just do it through the cloud, you know, interface, if you will, and not about, you know, buying new servers and implementing those again or whatever, that that's, makes it a lot easier. It's not the most important benefit of, of, of cloud-based systems, but it's certainly one of the advantages. So, Dan, I want to talk to some else, another topic here. You keep educating us here. All the cool kids always talk about Gartner, <laughs> like, oh, the Gartner report. And I never quite understood. I knew it was a report, but I didn't understand the significance. You actually gave me a copy so I could read through it. It's not the easiest reading because it's a lot of tech talk, but explain why Gartner is what people use to make decisions and explain what they do. Yeah. So, I mean, a big, big topic and, you know, I'm modestly limited in what, what I can say about that just because of the relationship, the close yeah. relationship. But in, in general, they produce a couple of different reports. One is what's called the Magic Quadrant. That's probably the most well-known one that uh, rates WMS vendors on and other many other types of technology vendors. But in yep. the context of today's conversation, WMS vendors on a variety of different you know attributes, and they it's kind of a four-box thing. But more recently, they started to do something they call the Critical Capabilities Report, and that doesn't have all the other stuff in it that the Magic Quadrant does. It's just based on functionality, WMS functionality across nine different attributes. And that's everything from core WMS to what's called extended WMS, but then things like agility and uh, integration and materials handling systems integration, things like that. And they score vendors based on that. It's almost like going through a, a, a traditional RFP slash demo process for an end customer. And uh, just recently in August, right. they, came, yeah, they came out with their uh, critical capabilities report for WMS for 2022. And Proud to say Softion scored uh, pretty darn well. And if anybody's interested in that report, you can go out to softion.com and uh, under uh, industry reports, I believe it is, resources industry reports, and you'll be able to download that and see what I'm talking about. It's very, very interesting, very interesting read. I'll put a link to that in the show notes. But yeah, you wouldn't have shared it with me had you not done well on it, Dan. Yeah, well, that's, <laughs> that, that's correct. I've done well for many years, so pretty confident. <laughs> yeah, but what I think this is why this is important. If right now, if I was, let's just say I was a uh, e-commerce company or retail company. And I said, I have to look at getting a new WMS. I don't have probably anybody in house who says I am an expert in WMS. Most people wouldn't. Gartner says, don't worry, we got a report that's going to tell you how you should pick. They're not going to give you all the answers, but they're going to tell you these are the guys you should narrow it down to. Yeah, I mean, I we I wouldn't take that in general. Yes, I mean, they wouldn't say you should just blindly use their you right. know, rating or whatever to do that. It's just a method, you know, a couple of different ways they have depending on the report of, of kind of organizing the market. And uh, you know, you take with that advisement. I mean, it's just one example. You could have somebody that's really, really good in one vertical industry, but not so good in the rest. But if you're in that vertical industry, you know, they they may be very good for you. And the gardener doesn't try to sort through that level of nuance. But certainly they're, they're useful tools to understand the market, who the players are, and, and some idea of, uh, you know, in terms of capability and delivery and things like that, some, some uh, you know, uh, view of how different vendors stack up. And so it's certainly one of the pieces that's, uh, now it's not, the, to be a Gartner member is not cheap, but, you know, people like ourselves 
license, if you will, the ability to, to share that report. And so that's what we're doing in this particular case. Make, making a bad decision on software isn't cheap either. <laughs> Certainly right. And I would say you just mentioned, I think, nine critical capabilities. A lot of people wouldn't know exactly what those were unless you said, oh, yeah, I guess, yeah, we forgot this one and this one. So th- I think that's where some of the value comes. You say, how does the prospective vendors I'm looking at stack up on some of the things that we know we're going to need? That's right. You can use their framework as your framework in terms of organizing the uh, the uh, due diligence. That's exactly right. Yep. So, Dan, you had a, a white paper, and we, I'll also put a link to that white paper. The white paper is called... I think understanding WMS in the cloud with, and that same as the title of this podcast, I'll put a link to that, but you had a nice chart in there and it was the three dimensions. Talk about those three dimensions and why it's important for people who are looking to buy software. Yeah. You know, I've used this for actually many, many years and at some point it's going to become obsolete because as everything goes cloud, then, then the nuances here start to lose their relevance. But I, I think it's still worth going over today uh, I often, you know, people say, I want a cloud solution. I'll come back and say, why do you want a cloud solution? And sometimes it's very clear, like, we don't want this infrastructure. The example I gave just a few minutes ago, we want this out of our four walls and let somebody else deal right. with it. But but I always say that you got to think about it this way. There's there's several different dimensions of, of a WMS implementation and selection, one of which is the deployment model. Is this going to be deployed traditionally within the four walls of the enterprise on a company-owned server of some kind or another? Or is this going to be deployed in the cloud? So that's kind of, you know, one one dimension here. But but there's also a pricing dimension, which is, are you going to do that, as we talked about earlier, that, uh, you know, upfront licensing with a maintenance fee, or are you going to go with more of a subscription slash transaction fee? Now, you know, the classic WMS implementation was in the box that would be the on-premise deployment model and upfront license. The kind of emerging or standard cloud version would be deployed in the cloud with subscription pricing, but it is possible to have hybrids of that. So, for example, you could potentially have a cloud deployment, but sell it as a licensed product. Okay, it doesn't happen too often today anymore, but but certainly that's possible. And the other combination as well. So, you just want to think through that a little bit about what you're really trying to achieve and make sure you're getting you know what what you're hoping for. And then there's a, the third dimension is the management model. Are you going to manage this application over time, or, or are you going to let the vendor do that in a managed services type of way? So. You know where the market is going, and very, very rapidly of all those different dimensions is deployment model, cloud, pricing model, subscription, maintenance uh, management model, vendor managed services. That's where the market is headed. Yeah, and what does that ma- management mean? That's the upgrade, or let's just say there's a software upgrade. They do it. Yeah, that's part of it, but and certainly your 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 plan with the vendor, whatever should in, should include those kind of capabilities. I mean, for in our particular case, you know, upgrades yeah. are are part of your hosting fee, but it's just keeping the database tuned and and uh, keeping the, the system you know running efficiently and any problem that seems to be occurring, uh, you know, addressing that quickly and all those kind of things. So it's just taking over the the work that used to have to be done by uh, your own internal IT staff, and now you just don't have to worry about that anymore. Yeah, you know, it reminds me, I think I moved my email server from, I mean, my email went from, a, I think, my web provider's server to the cloud. And I remember them saying, we're not as good as Microsoft managing this. Like, if there's a virus that hits their server, they're, they don't have the capabilities of, you know, a big, big tech company. So, and there's always threats out there. Yeah. There's all kinds of like, you know, say, we, we, you know, we'll get to this in the end, but companies in the end are very happy 
for that 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 model and uh, and it just really makes life a lot easier for you and and uh, you know when this you know we got a labor shortage in distribution we have an IT shortage in in corporate uh, America and you know why you know deploy a resource that could be so much you know more value added in other places and let the vendor manage the uh, manage the WMS application. Yep, Dan, you mentioned something else that I need a definition and maybe some explanation. Architecture, and you don't talk about building houses. You're talking about building software. Please explain. <laughs> yeah, and I, I, I'm I'm not a deep technologist, so I'll just give it the layman's view. But much, that's much of your audience as well. So hopefully, we can kind of land on that. It just means you know how you built the system from the ground up, how it was designed. You know where you invested your effort in, and a lot of things can be done you know more easily, but less robustly or resiliently. Other things, you know, you invest in and 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 get a, a scalable, long-lasting solution. And so, you can't just assume that. Why is this important? Because you can't just assume that all cloud vendors, you know, perform, you know, with equal capabilities. So, you know, we talked about a concern, you know, early on in WMS in the cloud around latency or or delays in in in, in information. How you design the packet packet data packet flows and transactions and all of those kind of things, you know, you could see a significant difference between two vendors that are both quote unquote cloud, but yet one has been architected to right. optimize in the cloud. The other put some, you know, cloud uh, trappings on top of, uh, you know, their existing solution and you're just not going to get the performance there. So the, the message, and, and, you know, this is obviously stuff of the IT realm and whatever, but you certainly want to dig deep to find out who's been built so that those potential concerns about latency can be put to bed. And don't just assume you're going to get the same performance out of every vendor that you look at, because it's simply not true. Yeah. And I think a lot of people who listen to the podcast have seen the same thing with transportation management systems. There was systems that were, I'll call them almost native to the cloud. And then there was the other ones that upgraded to the cloud. And I'm not saying upgrading to the cloud is necessarily a problem, but it is if you don't update the architecture to work as a cloud application, right? Yeah. And here's here's just another example. I mean, because of the potential concern about real-time performance, uh, Softian from the very early on uh, architected a potential where you could have a local agent, we called it, residing, you know, on, you know, on-premise in the distribution center that its only job was to manage some of the, you know, Put some buffer, if you will, into the real-time communications, and so that, and we think we were unique in in doing that. It turned out that's very, very rarely required. So, uh, what we thought might be something that would be commonplace because of the performance of the regular product without the need for the agent or anything else, uh, just hasn't been been called upon. But we we did use it a couple of places in uh, offshore where the IT the uh, internet infrastructure was very dubious or whatever. So was approach like that had to be taken, but it's very, very rare and uncommon. But the fact that it is available can certainly uh, set, you know, customers a bit more at ease about the, uh, the, the the worries about latency. So the cloud isn't getting slower, dumber, or more expensive. <laughs> that's that's exactly right. And, and, and the uptime, you know, the that's just me. Level, the uptime levels are 99, I think are 99.95 type percent uptime or whatever. So just not to worry. I, well, I would also say I suspect most people who are listening are on the cloud most of the time. Any application you're using, for the most part, at this point, right? Right, and you know that's how you do your banking. That's how you know it's how you right. So your, this isn't space yeah. age. This is it's here. Uh, that's right, and 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 the uh, you know the 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 
the need to match up the what is different, right? Is if if you are in your banking application or whatever, and we've all got there, you go to check your balance or you know whatever it happens to be, and for whatever reason you get the spinning hourglass or whatever the icon is, you know whatever, and it's a little irritating. But uh, and if it just lasts a second or two, you don't really care. If it lasts eight or ten seconds, it gets a little annoying. But all that means is you had to sit there in your chair for a little bit longer with uh, you know with WMS where you have to sync the electron, the digital world of the WMS with the physical world of the distribution center, you know, that two or three seconds uh, can cause a real problem. It means that divert on the, on the sortation system is missed or means the workers are getting frustrated because they want to move on to their next pick and uh, they have to sit there and wait for the, 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 uh, the application to, to advance to the next, uh, the next screen. So it is an, an important issue, but one through a combination of, you know, our own technical architecture, uh, as well as just the overall improvements in cloud, uh, you, know, you know, internet bandwidth, you know, from the all the providers that are involved in that. It's just turned out to have not been nearly the concern, a concern at all, uh, really, in terms of, uh, you know, what we might have thought a few years ago. Yep. Dan, I know you guys have done a ton of WMS cloud implementations. <laughs> what are some of the things you've learned along the way? Yeah, we're in the dozens and dozens at this point. And so uh, we, we've seen, you know, a lot of different, you know, perspectives or whatever in all kinds of different environments, big, large, complicated distribution centers, simpler, smaller ones, everything in between. So I got a nice perspective there. And we've had a number of customers that uh, were on a, our traditional on-premise solution. And it's the same solution as our, our, our cloud one, just delivered, deployed differently. But we've seen a number of uh, customers that have, you know, running successfully on an on-premise solution, but because of the management advantages, go ahead, gone ahead and migrated up uh, into a, a cloud-based solution. And we do that very seamlessly, no data migration issues, effort required and a lot of things. But the lessons learned, a couple of things. First off, as I just indicated, concerns about the response times for RF and materials handling and all the things that we, you know, did have, you know, there were some legitimate questions I just say about, you know, turn out to be overblown, you know, if you got a system that's architected to perform in the cloud. And, and uh, that's certainly something that Softian does, others probably do as well. But, uh, you know, it, it just the worries are just not there. You know, that having said that, we do use simulation prior to, you know, system go live to, uh, you know, make sure that, you know, performance, uh, you know, the performance is going to be as expected and that, uh, you know, the particular, you know, environment that the customer is going to be working in is going to support, uh, you know, uh, low latency type uh, communications. Now, one of the more interesting observations is that, uh, you know, and we didn't get to this yet, but there's kind of two models for cloud deployment. One is what's called multi-tenant where multiple companies all share the same exact, you know, application and salesforce.com is a good uh, example of that. But we're finding for now, at least it may change down the road, but for right now, at least companies are really preferring to have a private cloud implementation. That means it's in the cloud, typically running on, again, a Microsoft or Amazon AWS or Azure or Google Cloud or IBM Cloud or what all the different options are. But it's just yours and yours alone. You can have multiple facilities on there. You can communicate with external parties, all that stuff. So completely private and secure, right? Private and secure and whatever. I don't have to worry about, you know, some upgrade that I didn't want or some change that I didn't want, you know, happening, whatever. We we do technical patches and things like that that are security issues uh, right away and just do them. But uh, if it's something that affects operations or whatever, we don't just force it down a customer's throat. We say, here's what's available. Uh, You know, would you like to uh, adopt this or not? Or you want to adopt it two months from now? for whatever reason or whatever. So, you know, that that's really, you know, very, very, uh, you know, important. Next, I just say, you know, the implementation benefits are real. You know, the implementation, you know, times for cloud deployments are, are just simply faster and 
uh, more timely than on-premise is, and, and that you know reduces the cost and accelerates the time to value. And there's, again, just no doubt whatsoever that internal IT resources needed for deployment and the ongoing you know, maintenance are, are remo- reduced dramatically with the cloud. And again, just that, that focus of the project shifting from a split between IT and operations issues to almost all operations issues. And, and that gives you more time to think about testing and training and all those other kind of good things that uh, are so key to, uh, to WMS success. So, yeah, I will throw this out there. If I ran a warehouse, I would say I don't want to manage the IT side. So I can get an IT partner and say, you handle that. I don't want to have to do that. It's hard enough to run a warehouse. <laughs> yeah. And, and you know, just wrapping it up, you know, we are just simply finding customer satisfaction with cloud. We've always had very, I may say, so always had very satisfied customers, but we, we're simply finding that with cloud deployments, we have extra happy customers because the things that they used to have to worry about in the past in terms of management and maintenance and, and other issues relative to the technical infrastructure just go away. And so now you just focus on doing distribution well and 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 uh, satisfying customers and and so our our you know customers are very very happy with cloud solutions even in the largest we have some very large and complex materials handling intensive uh, customers running on the cloud and doing so well and pointing the way that this is the where the f- the future of WMS is going. Yep. So I want to summarize this, then I want to get your final thoughts on it. So talking to Dan Gilmore, topic is understanding WMS in the cloud. And this is really based on a white paper you guys had. And uh, Dan gave us quite an education here. So WMS was kind of slow to the cloud. And you said it's kind of the nature of the industry. But Softian's been on there for a long time. And your experience has been nothing but positive. We also talked a little bit about the cloud definition, why it's why it's the better way to go. Let's talk about Gartner. And again, Dan, you wouldn't be sharing the <laughs> Gartner unless you did well on it. And I think for those of us who are not necessarily techies, it's important that we at least understand Gartner. Someone you know could give you access legally, of course. <laughs> it's it's not cheap, but this is how people are making decisions. And we also talked about the three dimensions, which is the deployment, the, the management model, and the subscription model. We talked about architecture, and we talked about some lessons learned. Final thoughts, Dan. Yeah, well, we we talked. You, you summed it up nicely. So I, <laughs> you left me with a little say, which is just fine. But you know, <laughs> WMS was late to the cloud, but it's coming on like uh, you know gangbusters right now, and, and for us, virtually 100 percent of new implementations. And this is just the way you're gonna you're gonna buy software. And there's all kinds of reasons for that that maybe we can talk about another time. But this is the way it's gonna happen, and uh, it's just great news that this is working out so well. It makes everyone's life you know, a lot, uh, a lot easier and allows companies to uh, focus on those operational things that are going to give them the real advantage and produce the ROI that is expected. You know, sometimes with the, I would say there's three, you know, three things you got to worry about. You got to be on time, you got to be on budget and those things, you know, get the focus. And sometimes in the course of the, you know, the, the, the fog of a, of a, of a WMS implementation, the last of the three things on results gets kind of lost. And uh, with the cloud deployment, it gives most companies more time to focus not only on the on-time and on budget, but on results. And that's in the end what the company's looking for. Well, Dan, before you go, what's new over at Softian? Oh, geez, all kinds of different stuff. We're uh, working on uh, what we call the little book of uh, warehouse management systems. It uh, follows another little book we did, but uh, you know, just uh, things going very well for Softion. And uh, Gartner Report just came out in August, as we've talked about here, was a nice uh, 
feather in our cap. And uh, we've always got something, uh, you know, going on. And we serve a lot of different industries in a lot of different ways and uh, really good automated materials handling system uh, interfaces and optimization. So lots happening. Visit us at softian.com. That's where you can get that Gartner reports and a lot of other resources and keep track of what we're doing. You guys paid good money for uh, for that that license to have people get it. So uh, since Dan paid, it's on him. <laughs> Go to- no, I'm, I'm buying. Yeah. One other thing I'll put in the show notes, Dan, is a link to all your clients. I looked at it this week and uh, you guys have a very impressive list of clients. I don't know if you want to mention any, but all sorts of industries, all sorts of businesses, not only shippers, but you work with also a lot of 3PLs. Yeah. PLs is our largest single segment. We have all kinds of customers there like UPS supply chain solutions and Saddle Creek Logistics. It's a decent company. Those are okay companies. Many others as well, but I won't go through the whole laundry list here, but certainly when you- I'll put it in the link. Yeah. When you're out visiting uh, softend.com, you can take a look at that that, customer page and uh, think you'll like what you see. What conferences are you going to, Dan? Geez, uh, well, uh, just a couple coming up in the fall here. The two that sometimes I'm I'm, I'm going to a conference no one's told me yet, but- uh, uh, the two that I know we're going to are uh, CSCMP. We'll have a booth there. I think that's like September. 16th, Where is that? Nashville, September 16th to 18th. And then going to the Parcel Forum in early October. I want to say that's in Orlando, maybe. I know, but Parcel Forum, nice nice kind of boutique conference, but uh, some good content there. So those are the two places I know I'm going. Excellent. Excellent. Well, thank you so much, Dan, for <laughs> educating us and talking a little bit about WMS in the cloud. Joe, it's always fun talking with you. We had a good time again, as always today, and hopefully the audience got something out of it. Yep. And thank all of you for listening to my podcast. Your support's very much appreciated. Until next time, Onward and Upward. You've been listening to the Logistics of Logistics podcast, where we engage in conversation with experts in the logistics field. For more details, visit thelogisticsoflogistics.com or follow Joe Lynch on LinkedIn.